Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Welcome back to the Race for the Case podcast where we are here to enrich your college football knowledge, and perhaps fatten your wallet with our picks against the spread. I am Pat Forty. I am joined by Pete Thamel. Our uh, season-long race for the case is heating up through four weeks. I have surged into the lead here uh, with another five-in-one week, I have to say. I'm I'm on a bit of a roll, Pete Thamel. You weren't bad with four and two, but uh, I have widened my lead now over you to, I think, two beers in our race to get to 24, uh, and somebody's going to owe somebody a case at the end of the year. Are you concerned yet, Pete? (laughs) Please comment on my brilliance. (laughs) (laughs) Are you in awe of my picks, Pete? (laughs) How much awe are you in of how I've been picking games? Is that that the question? That's that's your interpretation of the question. You go ahead and answer. So I'm going to say this. I've never been a gambler. I'll like play blackjack when I'm in Las Vegas and I do gamble on the the three big horse races every year. Those are my yeah. those are my gambling indulgences. So I'm sitting there on Saturday and I'm three and oh in locks of the week. So I feel like I, you know, I feel like I'm as as awful as my other picks have been, I'm like, well, at least my gut instinct on these picks isn't terrible, right? So I'm watching Northern Illinois and no <laughs> one listening to this podcast was watching at that point in the game because it was over. You clearly weren't. You're Pat. watching you were, Northern uh, you were, Illinois you were watching... Florida State. For the love of God, what were you doing? Yes. No, it's on ESPNU. Now, mind you, there were other really good football games on that were coming to dramatic conclusions that I should have been watching. But I was sitting there rooting on Northern Illinois, and they forced a turnover, scored a touchdown, and it appeared like covering was like, smooth sailing. I was actually ready to change the channel because they appeared to cover, but the touchdown was called back because the receiver stepped out of bounds without being touched. (laughs) And at that moment, when I'm cursing the receiver on my television, I'm like, this is why people gamble. And this is why I will never gamble because I was so emotionally invested in that moment for our obviously very high stakes beer picking pool podcast that we have here, but it was sort of like a little window into, uh, into the mind of a, 
you know, degenerate gambler. I, uh, I I felt like my Friday friends at that point in in that moment, and I'm sure my Friday friends probably lost some money following my locks of the week. So sorry about that. It's the Northern Illinois receiver's fault. The touchdown got called back <laughs> immediately. Florida State went down the other way and scored, and it made my pick look foolish. And so covered. Yeah, it stopped your streak of getting your locks right. But no, that's. I, I'm pretty much with you. I don't. I don't bet much. Uh, I do bet some on horse racing, uh, which is actually even dumber than betting on humans because you're betting on mute animals. But uh, yeah. that's why I don't do much of that either because the things like that happen. Receivers step out of bounds. Horses don't feel like running on a certain day. Whatever. Uh, but for those of you who do bet, bet responsibly. But. By all means, follow our picks because I am red hot on fire. In case we haven't made that point clear here, Pat's getting to the point where his his core belief, you know, knowing him and being friends with him for so many years, Pat actually believes all his picks are correct, and it's inept coaching and inept playing and inept play calling that are manipulated to undercut his genius. He's never actually been wrong in the last two weeks. He actually really hasn't been wrong that much. So one hundred percent accurate. That is my belief. <laughs> the picks are right. The players screw it up, or the coaches. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's time to get on to my brilliance this week and yours, you know, your your attempted brilliance, uh, and help the reader, the listeners out. A uh, couple of huge games this week that are going to be very impactful in the playoff chase, and uh, and then some other really interesting games as well. Uh, we will start with the marquee game of the week and one that you will attend: Ohio State at Penn State. Uh, Buckeyes have looked great so far. Uh, very, very impressive. Really no overt weaknesses that you can find. They are without Nick Bosa. And there was a story this week in The Athletic saying that uh, Bosa's dad saying he's not coming back until November at the earliest. So that's a major, major loss there. They do go into Happy Valley where they have had uh, their hands full the last couple of times. And they had their hands full in the horseshoe last year. Needed an amazing comeback to win that game by a point were upset two years ago at Penn State. Uh, I saw Penn State play Friday against Illinois, finished incredibly strong, didn't play very well for the first two and a half quarters. Not super tough up front, I didn't think, against the run. Uh, Penn State is getting three and a half in a whiteout night game at home, one of the best atmospheres in college football. Pete, what do you think? First of all, it's – Tuesday afternoon as we're taping this, and I'm actually going to leave for the game after we tape this podcast because that's how long it takes to get to State College. Um, I feel like Ohio State is going to win semi-comfortably in this game uh, for, for some of the reasons that you've said. I feel like Penn State's defense has not shown they, they're capable, especially up front, of slowing down a high-caliber offense. And I really feel like it has been underplayed this year, the evolution that Ohio State's offense has gone with Dwayne Haskins. Dwayne Haskins, he may end up being the number one pick in the draft before it's all said and done this year. I mean, he has just been a lightning bolt in his accuracy, his poise, his confidence, uh, or, or have really taken this Ohio State offense to a new paradigm. Ryan Day has brought in some pro-style pass concepts. Gone is the sort of zone read stuff that we've been, we were so familiar with Urban doing for so many years. And, there's more tempo now than we've seen in past years. So I feel like their offense is another level of anything that uh, Penn State has seen. And I mean, Penn State gave up a bushel of points to App State. And uh, no offense to Zach Thomas, Scott Satterfield, and the boys, but they're getting a little better version of that on Saturday. So again, tough environment. It will be the 
first real hostile test for uh, for Haskins. Um, I think this one's going to end up 31-21 Buckeyes. Okay. That's, uh, I, I, I feel that. I support that. I reiterate that. I, I think it's going to be closer than that. I think it's a touchdown game, maybe – Maybe, you know, four to seven. I, I just think Penn State plays at a different level against Ohio State than they have tended to in years past against everybody else. They are they, – they amp it up. And this is going to be a different atmosphere than anything Ohio State's played in. So far, uh, they played three home games and then were in a 60-40 Buckeye fan advantage environment against TCU and Jerry World. So this is a whole different ball of wax for Dwayne Haskins to handle. Now, I, I think he's going to handle it because I think he's that good. Really, really impressed by him. Uh, but, yeah, and I look at Penn State, and I was there, as I said, and uh, Illinois is running for 172 yards on you. Mike Epstein uh, was was getting holes and running through them. Uh, the most impressive Epstein performance since Juan Epstein on Welcome Back, Cotter. I understand that that, that dates me there. But Theo Epstein can, would have something to say about that. Eh, Theo's just a front office pencil pusher. He gets no respect and no love, and he's also with the Cubs. That's another reason he gets nothing from me. <laughs> um, but I, I know if, if, if Illinois is running on him, then Ohio State is running on him, and that's a problem. So I, I will take Ohio State by, let's say, 35-31, which barely covers the three-and-a-half-point number. The other big game of the week Two undefeated top 10 teams, Stanford, Notre Dame. Uh, we did discuss both of these on the podcast earlier in the week with Dan Wetzel. Those were more for yucks. This is more for uh, who's going to win. Uh, in South Bend, Irish have played well at home of late. Irish are giving four and a half points. Stanford with the great escape, probably the greatest escape of the 2018 season to date uh, at Oregon last week. Looked absolutely dead in the water a couple of times and Oregon screwed it up and kept giving them chances and eventually Stanford took advantage and give them credit for taking advantage give KJ Costello credit for making some big time throws and leading them downfield a couple of times uh but you know if you make an escape like that you you're probably susceptible here and Notre Dame's defense has been very good Notre Dame's offense should showed a, a different gear with the end book as the starting quarterback this last week against Wake Forest. Maybe Wake Forest is terrible, but there was more life in the team. Uh, night game as well. Both these games going to go on at the same time, which stinks for the fans, but that's the way it goes. 7.30 p.m. kickoff, Pete, at Notre Dame Stadium, Irish giving four and a half. What do you think? Careful listeners of the podcast, because I got some feedback about this, uh, yeah. noted two weeks ago that I predicted a very high-scoring game between Wake Forest and Boston College. And those careful listeners who took that advice to their uh, local bookie profited <laughs> off that. So careful listeners may want to glean from this that I don't think there'll be a lot of points scored in this game. Now, that said, I have no idea what the over-under is because I didn't have to pick it. But... I really feel like, uh, f from what we've seen out of these offenses, that they're 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 going to be limited in how they score, and they both have uh, they both have fairly good defenses. So, I am going to take Stanford winning this game outright, thirteen to twelve. What? Am I hearing this right? <laughs> yes, thirteen to twelve. Okay, all right. You like it when I pick random, low-scoring, <laughs> non-touchdown 
Yeah, didn't you pick, you picked that like a nine to three or something last week, right? <laughs> yes. Okay. LSU has since proven they can score. I'm still yeah. a little bit in disbelief of that, but they have proven that. So they have proved they have proven me wrong. So, okay. but wow. I think it will be low scoring, and I think the Cardinal will prevail. Uh, that uh, what are they getting? Four and a half. Yeah, they're getting four and a half. That looks delicious. Okay. Well, I you're welcome to it. You're betting on a team that's averaging 3.6 yards per carry. Uh, I will say that. That's not a lot. And uh, Notre Dame's defense is good, allowing 3.4 yards per carry. I think that this is going to be some tough sledding uh, for the running game. And I do think that K.J. Costello, again, like he is, like I said, he has played well and his receivers are good. Receivers win a lot of one-on-one battles. But Notre Dame's defense uh, is legit. And I think – uh, Ian Book definitely has has added a, a level of uh, of efficiency and execution to the uh, to the offense that was lacking under Brandon Wimbush. He doesn't have his physical skills, but he runs the offense better. And boy, did he put up some numbers against Wake. I know it's Wake, but he scored six touchdowns, threw for three, ran for three, got a lot done. So I'm going to take Notre Dame to cover. I agree, it's not going to be high scoring. I'll say you know 21-14, 20 to thirteen, something in that nature. So there's our first difference. We'll go ahead and chalk that up as a win for me right now, but we'll let it actually play out. Uh, all right, Pete, Big 12 game that has taken on some luster that I, did, I didn't really expect. West Virginia is at Texas Tech, and Tech has rebounded impressively after getting boat raced in the opener by Ole Miss. They have now won three straight. They were shocking winners in emphatic fashion at uh, Stillwater against undefeated Oklahoma State team held Oklahoma State to 17 points. Oklahoma State zero passing yards in the fourth quarter. Uh, so maybe Texas Tech has turned a quarter. West Virginia is undefeated. Uh, still hasn't done a whole lot in terms of beating anyone. They were deprived of a uh, game at North Carolina State by the Hurricane that would have added to their resume. But Will Greer and company go in to Lubbock. Pete, who do you have here? Texas Tech getting three and a half at home. Well, I'm going to go out on a limb and say I don't think this will be a particularly low-scoring game. I am <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, going to take the home underdogs here. I've been really impressed with the way Texas Tech has played, especially defensively recently after their initial boat racing by uh, by Ole Miss in that, uh, in that opener. I, I feel like this game is going to be a little bit wild. I don't feel like... West Virginia has had any type of test so far this season. I'm very curious to see how they'll respond uh, once they get punched in the mouth. But David Gibbs actually has the Texas Tech defense with a pulse, which is huge breaking news. So I am going to take Texas Tech losing 49-48 but covering. <laughs> okay. A grim defensive struggle in the Big 12 as we are yes. accustomed to. I, yes. I understand that uh, completely. Uh, it makes a lot of sense to me, but, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I look at West Virginia and see a team that really, I, I think they've got it in them. They just, they haven't had to bring it out yet. I think they bring it out in Lubbock, uh, and they're able to execute, uh, some things against the defense that, yeah, okay. The defense, the Texas Tech defense was good against Oklahoma state. It was bad against Ole Miss. Uh, I think that West Virginia, Will Greer, David Sills, they'll be able to to crank it up and they're going to score enough points to cover the three and a half win and cover. And I think West Virginia, I see West Virginia rolling into November undefeated. 
Uh, and then we'll see where the rubber hits the road. But there may actually be a trip to Morgantown in the future for one of one or either one of us. Maybe we'll see a, a female bar fight like Dan Wetzel alluded to on the podcast uh, earlier this week. I was hoping we could cut to those two women to see who they wanted to pick in this game <laughs> while they were pulling each other's hair. Yeah. And if people only listen to this podcast and not our Wednesday podcast, because they actually like football, they may listen to this podcast, you will have no idea what we're talking about. Yeah, but go back and listen to it. You listen to the segment on uh, female brawls we have witnessed. <laughs> okay, uh, go out west, Pete. Um, Oregon and California. Cal, 3-0. and And, uh, you know, is beaten. They, they beat BYU, which right now that looks like a pretty good win. Oregon was 3-0, and and as we discussed earlier, absolutely gave the game away against Stanford. Now they go on the road for the first time, leave the the cushion of uh, Autzen Stadium, and go into that famed hornet's nest at Berkeley. Berkeley. Uh, that, that, that Maybe not the toughest home environment in the world, but Cal is playing well. Cal is getting three at home. Uh, what are your thoughts on the Ducks and the Bears? So did you ever go to Cal when they had that hill where everybody smoked weed? Um, I forget. There was like a there was like a nickname for it. I, I wrote about it way back yeah, in the day. I did the, not. Uh, I did not at, at the near. It was actually kind of it was actually kind of cool and like a sort of you know unique. Every you know every campus has its own unique flavor. Um, sure. There was just happened to be hemp. So um, <laughs> we don't quite still know what to make of Cal. Um, they haven't really scored like you would expect a Bo Baldwin uh, offense to score. He's he's sort of their 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 quirky coordinator who who was at Eastern Washington, won a national title there, and came with Justin Wilcox and is kind of like a spread tempo guy. Um, their 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 victories have been modest, more reflective of how you would expect a Justin Wilcox team to win. They beat. UNC 24-17, BYU 21-18 in a, in a bit of a, a slobber knocker. They blew out I- Idaho State, but that doesn't count. So I uh, I am going to uh, – I'm going to take Cal in this game. Uh, I'm going to take the uh, – I'm going to take another home dog here, Pat, and I know you're going to disagree with me too. So I, I feel like this will be a close game. So Oregon, obviously, we saw them fall on their face and bungle the clock at the end in just a horrific loss um, to Stanford. They had played poorly in the three games leading up to that against just dismal competition. And and I feel like they weren't perhaps as bad as they looked, and they probably weren't as good as they looked in the first half against Stanford. So I feel like they're going to come to the middle here, and, and I feel like Coming off that performance and that loss, Cal is in good position to clip the Ducks. So we are going, I'm going to take Cal with the straight up win 28 27. Someone please help Mario Cristobal manage the clock at the end. (laughs) Well, yeah, if it comes down to that again, Lord help him. Uh, We are not going to disagree. I'm taking Cal as well. Uh, Mm -hmm. I am not 100% sold on Oregon. Yes, they had like, two and a half great quarters and some other good moments against Stanford. But I think they're one of those teams you take them out of a home environment and they look a lot more ordinary, especially when it's that first time, the first time on the road. And uh, I think that they've got uh, a little bit of a reality check coming. As you said, Cal's defense, surprisingly good. And that is the Justin Wilcox influence. Not a lot of playmakers on that team is my only concern. You know, they, I, I don't see them producing, a lot of spectacular plays with the offense. Now they do have 
some uh, some dangerous guys in the return game. Ashton Davis, two kickoff returns for touchdowns so far this year. Uh, safety on that team. So I I, I think that uh, I think this is an Oregon come up and number two in a row. I wouldn't be surprised too if they're still a little bit kind of in disarray emotionally after blowing that game last week. Cal has had a week to prepare, an extra week to prepare, and I think they uh, they make that pay. Bears go to four and zero, and then have a boy an easy slate of games leading into late October. They've got Arizona, UCLA, Oregon State. They could be seven and zero when Washington comes to Berkeley. That would be wild. So we're, we we are in agreement, wild. yeah, wouldn't it? Yeah, I'll go because uh, it's close to Palo Alto. Anyway, um, okay, so we've we've got uh, four picks down. Our fifth pick, SEC tussle, SEC East tussle. South Carolina, which came in as kind of the hyped challenger to Georgia in that division against Kentucky, which may be the real challenger, although I'm not sure they're, they're beating Georgia anytime soon. But Kentucky is 4-0 for the first time since – they're 2-0 in the SEC for the first time since 1977. Uh, and they're playing – they're hosting South Carolina. Now, here's a profound bit of disrespect. Kentucky is A, 4-0. B at home. C has had South Carolina's number. They've beaten them four years in a row. Win Casino opens with South Carolina favored. I could not figure that out. The line, I think, in a lot of places corrected itself. It's now Kentucky giving one and a half. Uh, you don't just walk into Kroger Field in Lexington and expect a victory, <laughs> Pete Thamel. What? Is it like supermarket sweep? Remember that show? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's as tough as it gets, let me tell you. All right, tell me what you think about South Carolina, Kentucky. I think I'm disappointed you you didn't ask me. Are the Cats going to win? Because <laughs> there's actually an organic time to use that. Um, this is one of those lines in the, the way it opened and the way it is right now where like every piece of logic, especially the really impressive way that Kentucky manhandled a very good Mississippi State team the other night, especially in both lines of scrimmage. Uh, Benny Snell ran wild, and, and Mississippi State couldn't move the ball a square inch, uh, you know, with some with some decent skill players. Uh, so every single sign points to Kentucky winning this game by 14 points, right? Like, it just, it just seems very natural. It's going to be like that once-a-decade feel at historic Kroger Stadium. Um, and I, I just... So anyway, I'm going to pick Kentucky, but I'm doing it. I'm like, it's too easy. You know what I mean? It's just right. one of those, it's just one of those things where like, no, yeah. like, and so I feel like South Carolina is going to win. So if I were a better and I'm not, I would just stay away from this game. Like I would not get seduced into, oh, Kentucky's easy money. See, I would be seduced into it and I would bet it, but I, I wouldn't bet a lot. You know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't unbuckle so to speak on that game uh <laughs> bet with both hands the great joe drape line that's right that's right uh but no bet I'm, it with both hands yeah I'm, I'm taking kentucky as well i mean for every reason you laid out i just i was not a believer in south carolina coming into the season i haven't seen any reason to change that opinion especially when georgia just eviscerated them on their home turf uh kentucky has surprised me they've impressed me now the one hallmark of the mark stoops era so far there has been uh, you know, they, they will play wildly up and down. There are some games they play really well. Some games they're god-awful, uh, usually god-awful against god-awful opponents. So they played up and down to the level of competition. And while they have beaten South Carolina four years in a row, there's been a lot of nip-and-tuck affairs in there. But still, I'm, I'm not passing up Kentucky, only giving one and a half. Give me the 
the Wildcats there. And that's our main five, Pete. And now for the six-pack pick, uh, we'll get to yours actually in a second. We do have one thing, especially since you have picked Stanford. We have to make our weekly shout-out to the, the Stanford women's swimming cabal of listeners that we have uh, and let them know that we are thinking of them and appreciate their listenership. And I'm what's, sorry. What's I Brooke Forty's game plans for the week, Pat? We have to talk about that. Yeah, like, I, I don't know. Don't know yet. No I road got, trip. No road. It's Tuesday, and you haven't asked her what she's doing Saturday yet. <laughs> what, what kind of father are you? I could ask her Saturday morning, and she wouldn't know what she's doing Saturday. <laughs> That's probably fair. Yeah, but no, uh, she did. Uh, this impressed me. She watched the entire game of the Stanford Oregon game. She is not a big football person, and she watched yeah. the whole game. So I think that the Stanford football has a new convert. If I had to grow up watching you scream at the television at Broncos games every Sunday, I wouldn't I wouldn't watch football either. That's you know what? That's the logical outcropping of that. Absolutely. No, it's true. So anyway, all right. Shout out concluded to the Stanford folks. Um, now, six pack game, Pete. What is your lock of the week? You were three and oh until the Northern Illinois guy steps out of bounds and ruins your streak. Yes. Get back on the get back on the horse. What do you got? I was de-geniused by Rod Carey. Um, (laughs) I am going to take the Colorado Buffaloes at home against UCLA. The Buffaloes are uh, minus 10 in this game. I feel like Colorado is pretty good. This is this is going to be big time logic here, so try to try to stick with it. I think UCLA is terrible, and I think Colorado is pretty good. And I think it's going to be Friday night game, Folsom Field. Speaking of weed smoke coming from the stands, right? And uh, I feel like Colorado's three and zero. Colorado should win the South, right? Like, is there any reason Colorado should not win the Pac-12 South right now? I'll give it to you, but go ahead. Yeah, so I feel like Colorado is going to win this game twenty-four to three. Like UCLA has shown zero signs of life in any form or fashion right now. Now, long-term, I have a lot of faith in what Chip Kelly's doing. In the short-term, they're terrible. And I think they will play terrible, and they will get blown off the field. I cannot uh, fault anything that you said there. And it's it's going to be an altitude game, and UCLA just doesn't look like they're in for a four-quarter fight by any stretch. But here's my thought of that, because I looked at that, too. I think 10 is too much. I think this is going to be closer than people think. Uh, here's what I see. Colorado State's, or Colorado's resume is horrible so far. We were all impressed by them beating Nebraska. Well, big whoop. Beating Nebraska means nothing. Their other victories, New Hampshire and Colorado State. Colorado State is awful. New Hampshire is a 1-3 FCS team. So Colorado's 3-0 and has spent the last 13 days between these two games hearing how surprisingly good they are. UCLA is 0-3 and has had Chip Kelly probably just crushing them in practice for 13 days and working, tinkering through this off week to fix some things. I have enough faith in Chip that he's going to find some things to fix to at least make it competitive. I don't think UCLA wins, but 10 is too many. So I dispute your pick there, Pete Thamel. Now, that is not your lock of the week, though, is it? No, no, it's not. It's not. God, not. I was going to say. Oh, gosh, no. No, 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 no. If, Imagine if we had opposing locks of the week. Yeah, no, no. I'm not taking a winless team as my lock of the week. I am <laughs> instead taking Florida getting seven and a half at Mississippi State. Uh, this is the Mullen Bowl. Dan Mullen goes back to Starkville. There will be a lot of 
overwrought emotion involved in it. The Mississippi State fans, I think, have been irrationally uncharitable towards Mullen since he left. Mullen did stoke the fires with a bit of a grandiose statement back in the spring about how this will be the biggest game in the history of Mississippi. Please get over yourself. Uh, But (laughs) I see Florida playing better after that dismal performance against Kentucky. Uh, I see Mississippi State coming back. So you're judging that off of what they did against Tennessee, the vaunted Vols? (laughs) I I thought they played pretty well. Vols stink, but Florida took care of business. Um, Mississippi State came back to earth in a pretty hard fashion. Uh, with that loss, that blowout loss to Kentucky. Nobody knows the Mississippi State personnel as well as Dan Mullen, and that probably includes Joe Moorhead. He's going to have a game plan. He knows the strengths and weaknesses of the players. He will be ready for them. And the hook, seven and a half. They can lose by a touchdown and still cover. So for those reasons, I am taking the Gators. Dan Mullen may not win the Mullen Bowl outright, although I think he can, but he will definitely cover in the Mullen Bowl. Have fun with Felipe Franks on the road. Good luck. Good luck with that. Yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad Brooks in Palo Alto because there'll be some screaming at the television on Saturday when you, when that thing blows up in your face. Never, never. I'm going to be in the rocking chair. It's going to go fine. No problem there. <laughs> I no concerns whatsoever. Who was five and one last week? I was five and one last week. Just in case anybody forgot from the beginning of the podcast. Didn't you start one and five, Pat? I did, and since then <laughs> it's been an onslaught. It's been on so. Anyway, all right, that's our uh, Race for the Case podcast this week. Uh, Enjoy the games, everyone. If you do bet, bet responsibly. And uh, we will be back with Overreaction Monday next week. 